Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys. And on this week's podcast, Ben Gulker talk about our preseason takeaways. Ben drops some fun Jaden Ivey stats, some less fun Cade Cunningham stats. And we talk about the defensive issues being more scheme or more personnel. Hint, it's both. It's not getting better anytime soon. This kind of sucks. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to be following DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson, pleased, as always, to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben, how's it, how are you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good, Laz. Good to be back. Hope you're doing well. How are you doing, Laz? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, it's a beautiful fall day down here in North Carolina. The season doesn't start for another three days, but uh, preseason, oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, I guess we should start with the good news. The good news is that Marvin Bagley did not tear his ACL like I was immediately afraid of when yeah. we saw that. Uh, it's just a bone bruise, which just a bone bruise is like uh, – it's more like it, his bone is not fractured, right? And it's like that is that is the lightest thing you can say about a bone bruise, but it's still not great. Um, and a sprained MCL, not a torn MCL, sprained MCL. So that's good. Um, no surgery, which is good. He will rest and rehab the knee for the next three to four weeks, and then he will be reevaluated. Uh, ben, that could have been a lot worse. Yeah, it could have been way worse. Uh, not pretty stuff. Yeah. Um, fortunately, that it's not a lot worse. Unfortunately, one of those things that time is the only thing that heals, right? So mm-hmm. painful stuff to deal with. Time is the only thing that makes it better. Uh, wishing him the best as he recovers. Certainly a hit to the second unit in particular. Yeah, this this definitely advances Jalen Duran's minutes in a way that uh, I did not expect coming into the season. Um, and Duran has been uneven during preseason, which is to be expected because he's an 18-year-old rookie playing NBA basketball for the first time in his life. But I think it will be interesting and good in the long term that he gets this minute load right away but i'll also be curious to see if he performs uh in this stretch and when bagley is ready and say if he's going to be reevaluated in three weeks call it like eight to ten weeks he'll actually be back on the court 
be curious to see like what they imagine his role will be. Because it looked like Bagley was going to be in the starting lineup to start the season before the injury. Yeah, I mean, I, it, so many things moving around right now, too. Um, looked like they had moved Bogdanovich to the bench and were more comfortable with that. Wanted to get more vertical spacing than horizontal spacing, it looked like. Um, yeah, terribly unfortunate. Terribly unfortunate. And I, I think, you know, we'll talk about the other injuries in a minute. So many things that are not where you'd want them to be in terms of personnel going into a season that hasn't even started yet. Yeah. So to talk about the other injuries, Bogdanovich has played on and off during the preseason. He's had a calf injury that sounds like not uh, sounds minor. Uh, he, I think he played during the, the Memphis game, the final preseason game. Uh, Isaiah Livers has been out of the last two preseason games, the hip injury. Hami Hamadou Diallo obviously hasn't played any preseason with a quad injury. Uh, but I, if I remember correctly, Dwayne Casey said uh, before the final preseason game, they're like if it were a regular season game, he might have been able to go. So hopefully that anger that injury does not linger too much longer. Um, Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks, neither of them played a second of preseason, and they are still recovering from their various maladies. So that's one, two, three, four, five guys who may or may not be like rotation players in terms of like Hami and Nerlens, but like still like five guys who could have played rotation minutes for you. That's not uh, that haven't been able to play as much in the preseason as you would have liked. Um, ben, which which one of those guys is most important for, for the team to like find a way to reintegrate as they begin the regular season? Well, Liver certainly uh, with with Bagley being out. I mean, I think you're hoping he can play some four. Um, you know, I, I like him more at the three long term, but maybe sliding him into the four makes a lot of sense. You know, I'm curious to see with the defense struggling, especially on the interior, if there's room for Noel to maybe play a solidifying role. Um, not necessarily every game, but maybe at times. But Burks is the guy I think I, I'm really curious to see play some minutes. I mean, the the backcourt play has been poor. Um, there's just no way around it. It's been poor. Um, except maybe Killian, who I, I think maybe objectively is poor, but <laughs> we're using the sliding scale. Like, yeah. Good. But I want to see Burks play. I mean, I think he can be the solidifying presence for those three young players. Um you know, Kojo's going to play no matter what, but I'd really like to see Burks play. He's he's the guy that I think can maybe stabilize some of those uh, young guard oopsies <laughs> that we've been seeing. Um, so he's the guy I want to see play. Yeah. Kojo has actually been a stabilizing force this preseason, which maybe like shouldn't be a surprise after the way he played last year. And it was just like, again, we were all writing off Corey Joseph after all the acquisitions and uh, the draft picks it's like we don't need to see this guy play anymore and like no he's still coming in and just doing his thing playing on and off the ball uh taking pressure off of Killian Hayes in the in that backcourt uh playing next to Jaden Ivey taking some pressure off of Kate Cunningham at times it's like he's just, he's just working so it's like okay I see you Kojo but yeah I would I would like to see Alec Burke sooner rather than later that's a guy that I thought could actually make a potential impact for this team in terms of like mm. wins and losses and they're need they're going to need reinforcements if the wins and losses are uh, going to come uh we're going to talk about that a little bit later as well um one guy who came off the injury list was kevin knox kevin knox played in the final preseason game uh he looked he looked okay to me he's uh, I, I was into it another six eight guy who can hit some threes i'm fine with that what did uh what did you think of kevin knox in his uh, first preseason minutes for the pistons ben yeah, if the shot falls, right? I mean, that, that's yeah, what it all comes down to. 
The other stuff we know about his his measurements. We know about the potential athleticism. We know he was drafted in the lottery for a reason. Jack Kelly's got a piece that's pretty high on the front page still right now for uh, the season preview. I think it's worth a read if you haven't seen it yet. It does a good job breaking that stuff down. It all comes down to whether or not the shot falls. If it falls, you know, he's got a chance to crack the rotation. Um, maybe not for 82 games, but at least situationally, I think. Um, you know, he's struggled to find consistency. Uh, the shot chart was really interesting. I just read it last night. You know, he struggled to find consistency outside of the corners. Um, knock down the corner three, that's a good thing. Make the three everywhere else, and I, I think he's got a chance to to maybe resurrect something of a career in Detroit, but, you know, he's got he's got to make it happen this year. So if you can do that for more than one game, you know, maybe he's got a chance. Yeah. He's, he's another guy that the Bagley injury, like, opens up a potential uh, – inconsistent rotation spot for mm-hmm. um and so maybe he'll also be able to take advantage of in that of that in that way um yeah it's nice to have seeing him out there on the court for the first time is like oh yeah it's nice to have like a, just another tall guy who can shoot it's like that is, the pistons continue to lack shooting and uh having another tall guy is helpful um the main i guess the main problem with this team preseason, though, has been the defense, right? The defense has been really bad. They've given up 117, 107, 115, and 126 points in their four preseason games. Mm-hmm. That's bad. They're still leveraging the same switch-everything scheme uh, that they used last year. That scheme has had – they've had issues executing that scheme. I was talking to Bryce about this on the side. They also don't have – perhaps the personnel to best execute that scheme. So it's, it's just a, it's a lot It's scheme and personnel, which is not a good place to be in terms of defense, but it's still the preseason. Mm-hmm. So I, it, there's something I think, I think to be taken away from like, Oh, it won't be like this in the regular season, but no, I'm, I'm concerned, Ben, like this is, they're playing the same ty- They're playing the same scheme that they were playing last year. And it feels like they're executing it at a lower level. That's bad. Yeah, I, I don't know how many folks get the Bally Sports feed um, who are listening to the podcast. Anyone who's local probably does. I thought this was interesting. Um, in one of the pregame spots, Johnny Kane actually talked about this, which I just thought this was super interesting for this to be like the right before tip thing that Johnny Kane was talking about. Uh, he was talking about the the switch everything scheme. I just found this fascinating. I think it was the third game of the preseason he talked about this. But for now. Yeah, two things to say. It obviously it's not working, right? I mean, the defense was terrible. Um, and the second thing I'll say is, a lot of the talk I've seen has been about the interior defense suffering, which is fair because it's bad. Um, but the thing that stands out to me as a result of this switch everything scheme is that it's the the first part of the problem is that we can't keep people out of the paint, which seems mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. The like the, the first the first line of defense is just failing consistently, and that's just underscoring and highlighting the problem of our interior defense, right? Like if if you can't keep people out of the paint and you also have bad interior defense, like you're just not doing yourself any favors. And that it just seems like we're compounding errors by utilizing this scheme that's not working. Right. So if you're switching everything and the fact that switching everything allows people to just beat you on the perimeter. And then you don't have big guys in the paint who are capable of compensating for that. You're just shooting yourself in the foot. So 
it, it does not seem like the appropriate scheme for this this group of players. And uh, it seems to me fairly obvious, right? Like it, it doesn't seem like this should be surprising um, to this professional group of coaches. It seems obvious to anyone who's watching, who's like you and me last, fanalists, right? Like mm-hmm. we're not pros, <laughs> we don't do this for a living. And it seems obvious to us. So it's surprising to me that they did not make an adjustment in, in, in really any substantial way over four exhibition games. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm concerned. I, I don't think this is working. I hope they do something different. So James Edwards III had a piece early in the preseason about the scheme and about the coach's uh, explanation for, like, why they were still using the scheme. And what I took away from that was that it sounded – slightly philosophical right like they're this is something that they want to be able to do in order to prove uh in order to have like each guy take uh individual responsible responsibility for executing the scheme um it, this is something that i think that they will if they want to play at a higher level of basketball they will enable they will need to be able to execute the scheme that's a, another part of it um but at the same time like i think you're right like it, the if you have personnel that can't keep people out of the paint, regardless, like you need this, like this needs to be different. The The whole point of a switching scheme is to make people take tough shots mm-hmm. in isolation defense. Mm-hmm. But if you're consistently getting beat in isolation, you're giving up easy shots. Regardless. You, you talked about how that, that flow process works. Um, I, we have seen them try some things. It's been slower they unveiled a little bit of zone in the Memphis game. And I was like, oh, and that's, yeah, I, you guys should see Ben's face right now. He's just <laughs> like, he's completely unimpressed. And yeah. that does seem to be uh, Dwayne Casey's like go-to thing. It's like, oh, the defense doesn't work. Just like try zone for like a hot second. Like, let's see what, let's see what happens. Um, because his thing is always like communication, communication, communication. And zone forces you to communicate because if you don't, like you'll just blow open coverages. Um but yeah, my thing is though, Ben. I don't know. I don't know what scheme you would find great defensive results with for a team full of twenty-three-year-olds and under, right? And people have talked about this. There's only there's maybe three good defenders on the team. You know, there's there's guys that maybe hold up a little bit better in a team concept, but yeah, it, there's not. I don't. Maybe perhaps we shouldn't be surprised that the defense is bad when there are so few uh, good defensive players on the roster, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of eating my words a little bit. I'm thinking back to our over under and predictions. I've, I've kind of been thinking that this coaching staff would coach up this team a little bit after what we saw this preseason. I'm feeling the need to walk things back a little bit we still went under that's what matters yeah i don't know man it it, i I hear what you're saying a lot of young players playing big minutes you know i'm inclined to think that some of these vets can help i just i don't know if it's nearly enough right like Mm -hmm. i mean i'm thinking about like kate and Jaden, for example Um, both of those guys have tremendous physical tools neither of them were particularly impressive to me as as team defenders uh, they, you know, they're each only playing 25, 26 minutes. Um, Killian, I think, is going to be the best defender, perimeter perimeter defender on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Livers, if he plays minutes, he'll be a solid team defender. But yeah, you're right. I mean, you go down the line. Stu, I think, will be a solid team defender, but not a not a standout defensive stopper. Dern's going to be a roller coaster. You know, he's going to miss assignments and then make great plays. So do you call that a plus defender? Or do you call that a net defender? Do you call that a net minus? It's too soon to say. Yeah, I mean. It, yeah. Well, when you add in the fouls, I assume yeah. he's going to be a, a, a minus defender to start. Yeah. yeah. It's, it could be a rough. It could be a rough 10 or 20 or 30 games. I mean, it, it really could be as they figure some of this out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing that's a little disappointing is that, well, it's like, now we are seeing the loss of Jeremy Grant, right? Like we were mm-hmm. not overly enamored with Jeremy Grant's defense while he was here, but he was like a better defender than Boyan, for oh, example, yeah, for sure. and offered one fewer place for teams to attack on switches. And so yeah, you put a lineup with like, you know, Killian, Jeremy and Stu. It's like now you only have to hide two bad defenders instead mm-hmm. of four. Like that is that is an improvement. We've seen and we've seen Cade make some good team defensive plays. We've also seen Cade be kind of bad on ball, a little reachy, a little grabby. Um, there there was the spate of foul trouble uh, during that stretch uh, last season, yeah. um, and I think I think the playing a different scheme would probably bring out a better like instinctually uh, the instinctual aspects of Cade's defense, but I also don't want him like getting dragged into switches for 40 minutes so we're we're gonna have to see i i think maybe one solution that i liked that i saw them pull out towards the end of the memphis game was switching one through four instead of one through five and letting like duran or Stu kind of like hang back towards the rim so that there was some level of like big man rim protection offered when yeah. the guys got beat in isolation that just um, makes so much more sense to me yeah yeah uh, and I get why they're reluctant to do it because they, lo- if you're not going to start Killian, they lose perhaps their best switch defender in Isaiah if they just like have him like hang out by the rim. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's probably a cleaner to execute thing, and I hope that that continues as as like a small adjustment that they made. I hope I hope they continue to try and do that off or pull that off. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are... It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. All right, Ben. Now let's move to the offense. The offense has also been kind of eh, but in a way that feels less uh, less like scheme-dependent than the defense does. Ivy has been up and down, but I think mostly good overall. Killian has been a surprise 
um, in a positive direction for most of the time. Kojo has been good as uh, much as I don't want him to play. I can admit like he's been good offensively when he's been on the floor. Everybody else has kind of been eh, taking or leave it. Uh, Sadiq has been a little uneven. Um, Stu, we are still running into the problem with Isaiah Stewart where he is most uh, effective as a spacer, but and teams are still not paying attention to him at all on offense which is clogging up which is clogging up driving lanes is clogging up passing lanes like yes he went four for ten against memphis but he was shooting butt naked open threes like that like even if you hit 40 percent, like you're still that didn't change the way memphis wanted to play defense at all um another is the offense struggling is another area in which losing marvin bagley probably is not great for this team uh we have many complaints about marvin bagley but he does put the ball in the basket very uh very efficiently um yeah, this is, I don't know what. What were your impressions of the offense uh, after after four preseason games, Ben? <sighs> yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to talk about Cade until it's time to talk about Cade, but it's hard to talk about it without talking about Cade because mm-hmm. Cade didn't look particularly engaged, right? Um, so the upside was. Jaden Ivey adds a dimension that the team hasn't had. He also adds mistakes that the offense <laughs> hasn't had. Um, so the, the, the huge upside of Jaden Ivey is that he gives you an attack the rim, not just in transition, obviously in transition. It's fun to watch as a fan, but it's also a threat that the defense has to account for. And it's like, I think he's single-handedly going to force Twin Casey to play fast, which is fun. Um, Because when he gets the ball in transition, he just goes. And he's fast enough and athletic enough that he can even attack on a disadvantage and force the defense to adjust, which I I think adds a dimension, like I said, that Pistons just haven't had in a long time. He also does it in the half court. I'm going to share some stats. I'll just share them now because I think this is fascinating. some interesting Ivy stats. 80% of his preseason field goals were unassisted. That is shocking to me. Like, that is, that's just incredible. Like, um, I'm going to contrast him with Cade just because he's his backcourt partner. And not, this isn't to say anything negative or positive about Cade, just because they both play in the backcourt. 80% of Ivy's field goals in the preseason unassisted. Compare this with Cade last season. 53% of Cade's field goals last season were unassisted. Uh, 54% of Ivy's um, points were in the paint in the preseason. That's awesome. Last year, Cade 46. And then 33% of Ivy's points were free throws. Last year, Cade 12%. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I only do that to just contrast the types of players they are as backcourt partners. This gives the Pistons something in the backcourt in terms of a weapon they've never had. So in terms of the offense, I, I think there's going to be a layer. Jeremy Grant did some of this stuff, right? Like he attacked the paint more than a lot of other Pistons have, but Ivy has the potential to do this in a way that no Piston has done in a long time. I mean, Stackhouse did some of this. If, you, if you're old enough like me to remember some of this, Grant Hill did some of this, but really we haven't seen a Piston do any of this for a very long time. Billups did some of this, but not nearly to the same. The good level. version of Rodney Stuckey. <laughs> I hate to, I hate to make that comparison, right? Yeah, but like that was the thing that Rodney Stuckey did when yeah. he did stuff. Yeah, but Ivy just brings the explosiveness, the ability to get to the free throw line. Like, I mean, it's 
it's it's special stuff. I mean, he also just dribbles the ball into the hands of the the defense for no good reason, and he's gonna just have to learn to deal with that. He's he's got some big strides he needs to make there, and I think he shot fourteen percent from three. So like, there's some growing pains he's gonna have to to grow through. But uh, that that was a lot of fun. The rest of the offense, I mean. I don't know, man. I don't know what they were doing half the time. I, I'm not really sure about the Cade post-ups, for example. I'm not sure what their their goal is there. Um, I agree with you about Isaiah Stewart. I feel like he's going to have to shoot four for 10 for like 30 games in a row. <laughs> so he's going to have to prove it, right? Like it, yeah. it's, it's on you, Stu. Like prove that you're a real shooter. Um, not having Bagley as a paint finisher hurts Duran is going to have to prove that he can be a lob threat um I agree with that Bogdanovich didn't shoot the ball particularly well he's got to be healthy and he's going to have to do it Livers is going to have to do the same thing and then I'm gonna, I'm going to have to talk about Cade because he's going to have to be more than he was this preseason for the offense to have a chance because you know he's going to have to be the guy that's all that's what it comes down to no absolutely i Bogdanovich not shooting as well, I think, is like a really big part of the offense not being able to flow because like that dude is a 40% from three guy over the last four seasons and you brought him in specifically to be that type of player for this team and we haven't seen that so far. Um, You know, against Memphis, they were generating a good number of open threes. They just weren't knocking them down. That's going to happen. Um, like Sadiq in particular can be inconsistent from three. Yeah. Um, and so like that, you're just going to have to go up and down with that. But Sadiq, uh, Sadiq actually had a good game against Memphis. He was just attacking the rim uh, more than usual. The Cade post-ups, I actually don't mind those. Um, oh, that, was a, that was an efficient play type for him in college, if I remember correctly. And uh, one way for him to generate free throws that like doesn't involve uh, a big or uh, it's a good way to draw help. It's a good way to draw free throws. I And um, like especially if he's going to be playing point guard and be defended by the Jalen Brunsons of the world, like I didn't mind. That, uh, yeah, so that I agree with. If yeah. he's got a, a much smaller guy on that, I like. It's it's weird, uh, not weird, but like it is, You it's kind of telegraphed because you'll see Ivy bring the ball up and then they'll like run the cross screen 4K and you're like, oh, okay, the post-up's coming. So uh, it, it, it is telegraphed, but if they get to a point where it's efficient enough, like I, you, you don't mind as much. Um, uh, Killian has been a bright spot, mm-hmm. uh, aggressive in the pick and roll in a way that we haven't seen from him over his first two seasons. Um, able to, in, in the game against OKC, he was able to make, uh, a good number of threes, some unassisted, some assisted. Um, and he's going to need to be able to shoot um, to continue to be able to contribute offensively. So it's good to see the r- ugly reworked shot go through the hoop more. Does it look as awful in game as it does in practice, Laz? Do you notice it as much in game? Sometimes yes, and sometimes no. Yeah, that's uh, the, the thing I noticed the most is like they, they moved. Okay, now I'm left. I'm doing the left hand thing. They moved, <laughs> they moved his hands. They moved like his uh, shop rep from like the center, like off to the side. Yeah. And sometimes, like you'll see him shoot off to the side, and sometimes you like when he's in rhythm, you'll see him shoot just like from the middle of his face, yeah. and like that, like sure, whatever. 
But uh, the, the thing that they really harped on that I do think is better is his feet. His feet, his footwork do a lot, does look a lot cleaner, a lot fewer like um, Elmer Fudd, like tippy toe steps when uh, when he's trying to load up for a shot. Um, but do I expect him to shoot like four of seven or whatever he shot for, against OKC every night? Like, no, I don't. But uh, his contributions, his ability to get to the paint and draw some free throws and just like create stuff has been appreciated during this preseason. Um, those are some very interesting Jaden Ivey stats. I definitely, the point about the free throws makes a lot of sense. We've seen him create contact in a way that, um, we have not had on this Pistons for a team for a very long time. Like you mentioned, um, it does come with a little bit of him, like skiing downhill into help and just like kind of <laughs> seeing what happens. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad, but like yeah. he's, he's going to learn how, how to, uh, create the good things more often than the bad things. But uh, I mean, 80% unassisted field goals. That's absurd. That's, that's like, absurd. That's crazy good. I mean, Especially yeah. Playing next to Cade, right? Like Cade yeah. is supposed to be the distributor. Yeah. It's going to, I mean, it's going to level out over time. It's going to take a, a lot. It's going to take him a year or two to figure it out, but mm-hmm. it's going to take a load off of Cade Cunningham to have a guy who's capable of creating that much on his own. It's just going to, it's going to, a secondary guy who can take, I mean, Cade Cunningham faced all those double teams, right? Like mm-hmm. it's gonna, it's gonna decrease that and make Cade's life a lot easier long term. Let's talk about Cade. Let's yeah. talk about Cade. We've yeah. been dancing around Cade for a little bit. Cade obviously did not have the breakout preseason we were hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems to be very slowly like working himself uh, into his role in the offense. It felt like he was just like openly deferring for the first like two and a half preseason games. And we saw a little bit of him come out and uh, be more aggressive, be more decisive against Memphis. Uh, what is what is your concern level with Cade, Ben? Yeah, this is this is the question, right? Yeah. You know, the oblig- obligatory preface, the games don't matter. I agree with you. Um, he looked very focused on getting other players involved. I feel like he was particularly deferential to Ivy. Yep. Particularly the first two and a half games, maybe even more than that, but particularly deferential to Ivy, which I, I have no issues with that at all. Like let the kid get his feet wet, do his thing, build his confidence. I'm, I'm fine with that. I have no problem with it. Um, I'm going to avoid using the word concern and worry because these are four games that are exhibitions and I'm not going to say those words. Um, but I, you know, I think we heard a lot this summer about his physique, right? Put on ten pounds of muscle. Um, you know, I think putting him in the post is a way to potentially exploit some of that strength. We heard a lot from the coaching staff about significant significant improvements that he made as a basketball player. And I think the way I want to phrase this is, it would have been nice to see more of that on the court, right? Mm-hmm. That that's that's what I would that's the way I would like to phrase it. Uh, and the reality is we we just didn't see very much of it, right? We didn't see the improved Cade Cunningham. And I think that's as much as I can say, right? In, in those four games, we didn't see the breakout Cade Cunningham that we were hoping to say. Um, you know, for the stat heads, here's a few things that I'll throw out there. He was a team worst, negative 15 and plus minus per NBA.com. And a team worst, uh, 40% true shooting percentage, which those things, that's nuts to me. Like, for your for your franchise player to be team worst in your preseason performance in those in those ways is, is pretty crazy. Um, I, I think the thing, if I were 
going to say I'm concerned and worried. What I would be concerned about and worried about is not the stats, but I, I think I'd be wondering if his approach to the preseason is the right one. And that's to say everybody knows these games don't ultimately matter, but when you're the guy, do you want your guy acting like they don't matter? And it, it did he act that way? Uh, that's debatable. But do you want people debating <laughs> whether he acted that way? You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. Like, he played 26 minutes a night in games that don't matter. But I would have really liked to have seen, like, okay, maybe in the second half of those last two games, like, balls to the wall let's go play like these games mattered right like and we saw little glimpses you're right you're right Les. he did like try to cook a little bit in those last two games but I think you know it would have been nice to have seen Cade really really cook for Mm -hmm. for two full games and then we didn't see that so am I concerned and worried no I'm not concerned and worried but I I really hope that in the first 20 games when we're talking a couple months from now Laz like We've, we've really seen the improvements that he made this summer and the strides, and I think we will have seen some of those. But we didn't see him this preseason, and that's kind of a bummer because I think we were all hoping to see it. Yeah. I, we, talked, we talked a little bit about how it felt in particular for the first two preseason games that he was really trying to get Jaden Ivey going. And uh, like we talk a lot about how Cade's like the leader of this team now. And that is a very like collaborative mm-hmm. leadership style, yep, right? I agree. It's like I am going to facilitate everybody else like being comfortable. Um, that is my job. Like if everybody else is going, if everybody else is going well, the team is going well, then like we will get to where we want to go. And perhaps what you and I were looking for was a little more authoritative leadership style. Yeah. It's like, hey guys, like it's the preseason, or like, hey guys, like this game matters jump on my back and like i will take us to where yeah, we need fair. to go that's fair um and that is it's like i think we will see some of that from Cade. i think Cade is hardwired like that i there are multiple ok state uh games i remember where Cade was like get on my back guys like we we are we are going to do this um and so i do think that is in him i but we did not see that as much during the preseason and i wonder if we start to see that during I hope we start to see some of that during the regular season. Absolutely. And James Edwards has a piece that is, we're recording on Sunday morning. He's got a piece scheduled. He's been teasing. I believe he's going to be posting it on Monday, specifically about Cade and leadership. So I'm, I'm really curious to read that because I I think he's going to have some stuff that's directly related to some of the stuff you just said. No, absolutely. I, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to reading that piece as well. It'll be out by the time people hear this. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I should go to the athletic. And check that out. Um, that said, forty percent true shooting percentage is not good. <laughs> not good. And he's right. still not getting to the line enough. Right. And he's still not shooting well enough for three for right. us to be like really comfortable. Yeah, he's like he missed still- a lot of open threes. And that, look, you can cherry pick any four game stretch, yeah. and that can happen. But like, yeah, that's that's bad. <laughs> and and like in particular in the OKC game, right? Like that game was close after halftime. And then him and Jaden Ivey like took turns turning the ball over, and then the game was not close anymore. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and like you know the Bucks, I think they went zero and five, right? Like so, like there's teams struggle. It happens. Kay's not Giannis. Like, right. <laughs> like we can, but we're fans. We're supposed to worry about our own teams. That's what we yeah. do. Yeah. I'm. I am not worried 
about Cade. I think I wonder if Cade is like Miguel Cabrera, like the classic, just like it's cold, it's a slow. <laughs> it's gonna take me. It's gonna take me four weeks to like really get going. I'm gonna pretend I know what you're talking about because I don't watch baseball. <laughs> Uh, who who else was like the classic slow starter? I feel like uh, no, nah, never mind. I I can't I can't pull. That's it all good. I'm a, I, I'm just gonna pretend I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I would like to see Cade come out and be a little bit more authoritarian. Uh, authoritarian. Authoritarian. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did he did this last season too, right? I mean. I don't know how many games I found myself like banging my head against the figurative wall for three quarters. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, he just took over. And it's like, dude, where have you been for three quarters? It's like, there's just, I think that's, you're right. Like that's part of his personality and part of his person. Like he, he's facilitating other players involvement. And then all of a sudden he jumps in and there's just a part of me that wants to, all right, just do that a little sooner. <laughs> just assert yourself a little bit sooner, and I think right. you'll be a little better off. And so will the team. The team will be better off when when you're more assertive. Yeah, I think in someone is going to have to sit him down and explain that to him. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like you are our best shot of winning. As like the team is like, I know you want the team to be comfortable, but the team is following you. Right. Yeah. And so like, if you play well, like the the team will follow. So. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I'm looking forward to Wednesday for sure. Uh, all right, what's uh, what else did we want to did uh, you want to talk about, Ben? I see we got some nice some nice stuff on the sheet. Let's let's get to that. Yeah, Jalen Duran led the NBA in rebounds this preseason, twelve a game, pretty incredible. Oh wait, the NBA, not the Pistons. Oh, yeah, led the NBA in the the preseason. I, I thought it was pretty incredible. Uh, Giannis was second at ten and a half. This is per NBA.com, and Dern didn't play a ton of minutes, so dude was snagging rebounds. Um, Pretty incredible. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the dude is a piston through and through, right? I mean, he has the mentality. He does the thing that all Pistons big men, like, if you do what he does, Pistons fans are going to love you. I'm going to be living for his minutes on the bench. Like, I just, he's the kind of guy you love to root for. Um, The other thing I'll say is, you know, this was a summer of optimism, and I, I get it for a lot of Pistons fans, but I think this preseason was probably an appropriate reality check, like temper your expectations a bit. If you bet the under on the 27.5 or 28.5, like don't burn your tickets just yet. Like that's the, st- still a chance. You might, you might uh, cash in a little bit. Um, I think this is probably going to be a long season. Mm-hmm. Probably going to be a lot of losing. But I think, especially in the second half of the season, there's probably going to be a lot more enjoyable basketball than there's been in the previous two. Because I think because of the personnel we have, because of the young talent we have, you know, the the development trajectory is probably such that there will be more, like, exciting basketball that happens in the losses. There will be more competitive losses that happen. And then, you know, I, I think and am hopeful that especially later in the season, we'll have more extended stretches of quality basketball than we've had, where, you know, the last two seasons we saw basically intentional losing. Those days are over. So even if it's rough early on, you know, that you're going to talk about this, 
the start of the season in a minute, it could be tough. The first 10 or 20, 20 games of the season, it, it could start rough. That's It's possible. Um, you know, persist if you're a fan. Persist because I think it'll get better as we go. Um, even if the overall 82 game win loss record isn't, isn't substantially better than it's been the last couple of seasons. Yeah. They won, they won 23 games last season. I do think they win more games yeah. than they did yeah. last season, yeah. but it's not going to be like eight more games. It's right. going to be like three more games. Yeah. That's and like that is that is going to be a marginal improvement, but that that still counts as improvement. Yeah, I, I tweeted out the first ten games of the year, just like a screenshot of what the first ten games of the year actually were, and I asked people what the, they thought the record was going to be, and you get some people who are like ten and zero. It was like all right. <laughs> uh, and most people are like, oh god, we're going to win like three games, aren't we? It's like yeah, guys, like get mentally prepared. This right. season's going to start off really tough. Going, uh, giving a twenty-three win team in the first ten games of the season. The defending champs and the Bucks in like it goes like Warriors Bucks Bucks in like the first ten games. <laughs> like, come on, like who did they piss off at the yeah. schedule makers? Like that is that's so tough. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. All right, Ben. But the the season starts on Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday they open uh, at home against Orlando. Then they have a Friday Saturday back to back again. Who do they piss off at the schedule makers to have a back-to-back on the second and third games of the season, but they play at New York and at Indiana. Uh, how many games do you think we win this week? We got to get at least one of these, right? I'd really like to win that Orlando game. It would be yeah. nice to start the season with a win, especially against Orlando, right? I mean, you've got uh, two young teams on hopefully the ascent, right? Potentially years worth of rivalries to come with, number one picks battling each other, right? Eastern Conference rivals there. It'd be really nice to win that. You know, the back-to-backs, I don't like those either of those matchups. We saw we got pounded by, really, the Knicks, the Knicks yeah. right? I mean, they, whew, that was rough. <laughs> that was real rough. So I, let's let's hope for the Orlando win. Let, let's hope for the Orlando win. That's what I want to say. I would like to win the Indiana game as well. Um I'm shocked that like Buddy Heald and Miles Turner are still on this Indiana team. <laughs> um, Benedict Matherin had a really good final preseason game. He had 27 points. I hope that the that he does not take he doesn't do the thing where it's like oh the Pistons didn't draft me. I took that personally. I'm gonna score. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe he tries way too hard and he's a rookie and just turns the ball over seven times. Right, that like that can also happen. But uh, it would be really nice to start off two and one before they lose like eight games in a row. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ben. Uh, let the people know where they can find you, where they can find uh, what you're going to be working on this season for our Pistons. Well, I'm going to be working very hard not to overreact on Twitter, which I'm not always successful at. At BR Golker on Twitter. Come, come, uh, come! Remind me not to overreact on Twitter. And then uh, at DetroitBadBoys.com, active in the comments. I'm gonna look, man. Being a dad with two kids is hard, but I'm gonna try. To, I'm gonna try to write the season. I really am gonna try to write. It's just it's finding the time. You know how it is, Les. No, I absolutely know how it is. Um, yeah, Twitter is. What is Twitter for if not for overreacting immediately <laughs> after losses and then regretting what you said uh, the next morning? Uh, of course, if you want to see me overreact after losses, you can do so at Laz Chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. Um, big win over Wisconsin. 
big uh, double overtime win. I was very sad when uh, they threw the ball. Graham Mertz threw the ball to two defenders, and neither one of them decided to intercept it. It's like, okay, that's whatever. But we were but three. I will four. say, I was surprised to see the color of your shirt this morning, though. <laughs> I just grabbed his shirt. I wasn't even thinking. To, to those listening and not watching, obviously, the shirt is red. That's that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I just grabbed. Your I shirt. wasn't going to say anything, but you brought up the game, so I'm going to say it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and of course, uh, you guys beat Penn State. That was a very tidy win. And yeah, not beat Penn State. Like beat Penn State into the ground, except for two big plays. So I'm shocked. Penn State was the 10th best team in the country. Fair, yeah, fair. Is. Not not to say anything, like you 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 did a great job beating them down, but fair. it's like dang, like really, like that's the best. And anyway, anyway. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean it. That it was a beatdown. I mean, and they that was after Michigan struggled to beat Maryland and Iowa. To be, well, for three quarters, struggled to beat Iowa anyway. Uh, Iowa's great at dragging you down to their level. Yeah, they play like a they play like a big taint game. They ugly it up and make it slow. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so hey, I mean, it, it's I will bring this up when both of our teams win, and when Mike <laughs> loses and your team wins, we're like we're just not going to talk about it. It's going to yeah, be fine. It's all right. Yeah. So maybe right. once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. That's enough. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna. We're, That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna like lose to Illinois. I'm gonna be so sad. That's it's enough. just gonna be awful. <laughs> All right. This has been, uh, of course, the uh, Michigan Michigan State podcast with right. quality analysis. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We will uh, we will talk to you all next week. See ya.